It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now, here's Eric Lutie. I'm uh, in the middle of a series that is called Life Lessons, and it's been very significant for me to to navigate through these, to remember. And I think it's a significant season in my life to recall foundation stones. And just because of what I do here at Ellerslie, I'm constantly rehearsing foundation stones. But this is, this is unique because this is, in a sense, a reflection upon what has most shaped me. There's certain things that subconsciously we work from. It's like tools that, you know, if we're a carpenter, we just reach into our bag and grab them and, and use them. And then someone next to us says, what's that? What, what do you mean? You were just using a tool. Well, I, I don't know. What, what, what tool was I using? It's like, it's that one over there. Oh, oh I've, you've never heard about this. And that's sort of the way I feel life lessons is. It's like there's things that I do, but I don't necessarily think them through. It's just like driving down the road. When you're first learning to drive, you're very conscientious about every detail of driving. But then as you've been driving for a while, you just drive. You don't ponder driving. You just do. You change into different gears, you push in the clutch, if you're, and you don't think about pushing in the clutch, you just do. And it's, it's a similar thing. I don't ponder putting on the brake when I'm driving down the road, nor do I ponder some of these things that I'm describing in the life lessons until I actually take time, focus, and I say, you know what? That's very significant in my life. And uh, this, is, this is sort of a unique, fun one. Very, very important in uh, my marriage, in, in our work as a ministry, as, our, as a leadership team, uh, and it's called Getting the Proverbs Out on the Table, a little strange title, very long, but it means something to all of us. It would mean something to Leslie and I, and it would mean something to all of our staff. It's a, a typical phrase. It's like, okay, guys, let's get our Proverbs out on the table. Well, what does that mean? And so let me just go through this, and to do that, I, I almost need to go through a little background on Proverbs, because a lot of us, when we think about the Proverbs, uh, it's some wise sayings, but its usefulness in our life is fairly vague, I'd say, for most of us. And I'm not sure why that is, but there's something about the inspiration of Scripture where we know that the Proverbs are divine. You know, we believe that it is God's Word, but very few of us go to it as if it is actual tactical wisdom for our life right now. And I'm not sure why that is, what that disconnect is. But one of the questions that I would say is, is it merely filler material in the Bible? Is God just saying some good things? It's poetic. We look back, we go, oh, that's, that's a beautiful statement. Or is it actually a very specifically designed toolkit that we're supposed to reach for and grab in seasons when we need wisdom. In other words, God has supplied something beforehand, and it's up to us to actually go to it. And with the person of Christ, we actually have a key to unlock this tool bag known as the Proverbs. And so I'm a big fan of the Proverbs, and I'm I'm not exactly sure what has happened in our generation to diminish its value, because I'd say a lot of conservative, like homeschool families will have their kids memorize the Proverbs, But even those that memorize the Proverbs, it's a low-level impact that oftentimes the Proverbs have. I'd love to have it be a higher impact. 
going to go through the word for proverb uh, that is in the Hebrew. It's a fascinating word that has a lot of different nuance, okay? And the, the way that we will typically translate the word mashal is proverb, parable, sentences of ethical wisdom, ethical maxims, which is a statement to say this is always true. This is a foundational uh, idea for how life works, okay? So that's the, when, when we talk about the Proverbs of Solomon, well, that, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about that word, mashal. However, if you say it a little different, mashal, it actually means to rule, to have dominion, and to reign, which is a fascinating thing. It's like the same word, but it's like slightly different. Now, you need to realize what the Proverbs are. It's a king speaking to his son, and he's imparting something. What is he imparting? He's saying, look, I have something that you need because you are going to be over this kingdom too. So you need to reign and rule over this kingdom the way I have ruled and reigned over this kingdom. And so I'm going to give you all the pieces that you need to be able to do your job effectively. I just introduced you to what the Proverbs are. The Proverbs are a king taking his wisdom, his understanding of what is necessary to rule the kingdom, and imparting it to a son. Now, most of us don't look at that as kingly understanding, that it is literally the heritage of king to king that is being passed. However, if you look at the first two definitions of Mashal and Mashal, what you see is that it is a proverb, but it's also this idea of to rule, to have dominion, and to reign. So if you're going to rule and to have dominion and reign properly, you better know how to, which is what the proverbs are. So what is a proverb? So, so far, out of the first two nuance points that I'm bringing out of the word mashal, they're canon-weighted maxims. In other words, they have an authority that is God. It's a God-authority maxim. It's the rule of the king. It's the measurement of truth. It's the doctrine of the kingdom, the tested and proven word of life that possess the divine right to rule and control, measure and judge the human life. So this is the standard. This is not like an Indian proverb, a Chinese proverb. This is God's proverb. God being the king of kings and imparting to us his divine maxims. This is how his kingdom works. And if we want to function in a miniature way in our kingdom, which is the human body, which is our life, and we need to rule and have dominion over it according to his rule, according to his law, we need the Proverbs. This is a king imparting to someone else who is assigned rulership. That's us. We've been assigned rulership over our body. And then as you grow up, you get greater ruling territory. For instance, I have a position of responsibility and leadership in a home, in a marriage, in a family, in a church, in a ministry. And I need the king's maxims. I need to know how to do my job description the way God does his how does he rule his kingdom? Well, that's the way I want to rule this. Whatever is entrusted to me, I want to rule it the way Christ would rule his kingdom. I actually have an inside scoop. I have a front row seat with the Proverbs. I mean, it should get you excited. It's like, I want to read the Proverbs. I mean, this is an incredible thought. So the Proverbs. Now, I'm going to go through and give you three different key definitions of the Proverbs, and so I'm going to start with the first one. It's the king's authoritative rule and measurement. So usually in a kingdom, they're going to have a measurement and a rule that is based on the king's actual body. Like they'll measure from uh, his elbow to the end of his finger, and that becomes, what, what is the term? I don't want to say a span, but there's like a, a certain term. It's measured off of the king's body. 
Okay, is it a cubit? I don't remember. Yeah, it's a cubit. And so it's like, but it's measured off the king. It's a fascinating statement. Well, welcome to the kingdom of heaven. All the measurements come off of Jesus Christ. In other words, he is the perfect temple. He is the perfect measurement, and all of us are measured accordingly. And so the Proverbs, in a sense, are a measurement. They're saying, here is the king's measurement. This is how he rules his kingdom. So this is the same word. You're going to recognize it. It was Mishal, then it was Mishal, and now it's Mishal again. Again, it's nuanced to the same Hebrew word. And it is to make like, which is an extremely fascinating definition for this idea, to make like. Think about what is happening in the Proverbs. You have a king who is desiring to do what with his son? To make him like him. That he could rule as he has ruled. So... It is to make like, or to pass along the pattern for perfect similitude. This is a pattern, and I want you to rule your kingdom the way I have ruled mine, and so here is the wisdom. Here is what you need to be able to do it. I don't know about you, but I just feel like sitting down and reading the Proverbs through afresh. I mean, this is like so exciting. I'm getting more excited than you guys are over this. So, and I'm going back to the same question. So what is a proverb? It's that which is given by a king to raise up another king. It's the training, the instruction required to shape clay that is different into something that is identical. It is given to the children of a king in order that they would carry on the ruling excellence and the governing grace of their father. And so whenever we as a parent start out, what we have is we have this little ball of clay known as children and it's a it's a tough thing because we have been shaped for years by a potter and then we're entrusted with this lump of clay that doesn't look like it's supposed to look yet it's cute don't get me wrong it has a little button nose and a little diapered bum bum that walks around and I mean it's really adorable however it needs to be shaped and that's exactly what the proverbs are it is an impartation of a parent or a king to that which is a child so that they could bear the same likeness. And so as a parent, we do this in a very miniature way. We are placeholders in a young child's life of the Spirit of God, of the King of Kings. And at a certain point, we turn that child over to the King of Kings and we say, you're going to have to get this job done because I can only take this so far. I can only inspire them to come to you as the master potter. But that's what the Proverbs do. The wisdom of God is meant to shape us into the likeness of the king. So now, remember I said I'm going through and I'm giving you definitions for the Proverbs. So now I'm on my second one. So the first one was the king's authoritative rule and measurement. The second one is the king's pattern for training up another king. A son that will rule and behave just as he does. It's like, well, What is he going to give us to help us with that? He's going to give us the Proverbs. He is going to give us the Mashal. And as a result, how we handle that Mashal proves if we are truly venerating this king that is handing it to us. Like, hey, son, I want to give you something, or daughter, I want to give you something to shape you for your job description. Thank you, Father. I want that. I cherish that. And so what you'll see in the Proverbs is you have the wise man contrasted with the fool. And it's the wise man that is going to seek and appreciate that wisdom. 
It is the fool that is going to reject the fatherly input and say, I don't need that. I'm going to do it my way. And that's why when you see the Proverbs and you see the diminishment of it in our Christian culture, it should cause a pause to say, why is it that the Proverbs, which we all know are part of the canon of Scripture, inspired by God, given to us, that are useful for training in righteousness, why is it that they are so diminished in our mindset? It's like, well, it's just Old Testament. Well, yeah, but it's still the divine word of God, which is useful. In other words, why is it that it is taking a back seat? What is it that has taken place? So you're going to notice the same word here, okay? So we saw mashal, which is translated typically as Proverbs. Then we had mashal, mashal, and now mashal again. And it means to enable rulership, to cause to lead well. It's almost like the wind into a sail. It is that which helps someone accomplish something. So it is someone needs to stand up and give the speech, you know, and and the young son is like, it's his turn to actually get up and give the speech to the kingdom, and there's a multitude out there. And the father literally comes by and picks him up and leads him to the stand and hands him the microphone (laughs) and says, speak, son. It is an enablement into a position of strength. And so it's to enable rulership, to cause to lead well, to exercise unto power, to strengthen the student, to perform in accordance with the perfect pattern of kingly rule. It's like a coach or a, uh, a drill instructor or a, uh, I was thinking of Arnold Jacobson in um, Monday morning and Wednesday morning workouts and in the core uh, training. And he's going to be like, Ludi, you need to go down lower in your squats. You have to, you know, your, your quads need to be parallel with the ground and, you know, you're not doing it right, do it again. In other words, it's someone who is correcting you constantly to a pattern. And it's a coach, but it's a loving coach that desires to see your form match the perfect form. Because there is a way that is right to rule And the Proverbs want to impart that so that you can actually function as you ought to function. So remember I said I'm going through uh, three definitions of the Proverbs? Okay, so here's, I I just added my third definition onto the screen. The first one was the king's authoritative rule and measurement. The second one was the king's pattern for training up another king, a son that will rule and behave just as he does. And the third one is the king's empowerment. The enablement to live out the king's maxims and to rule not just your own thought life, but the entire world if necessary. That really excites me. In other words, what you have, and I'm going to see if I can unpack this at least at a a basic level, because this isn't necessarily the life lesson that I'm giving. I haven't even gotten to it. I'm just laying the foundation of why, when I say get the Proverbs out on the table, it makes sense in our world. Okay, in other words, there's a weight behind this because most people would say, why would you get the Proverbs out? You should just come to the Holy Spirit and say, God, speak to me, which is not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with coming to God and saying, God, speak to me. But you also need to recognize that he already has spoken and we can never denigrate what he's already said. So instead of just saying, God, give me a fresh word, we should also remember the word that he's already spoken and then measure every fresh word against it because God will never contradict himself. And so, when we think about the rulership that we have been given, first of all, it's our body. And the most simple thing that we need to begin to rule is our thought life. Okay, so that's the most elementary school level training that the Proverbs are going to touch in our life is self-government. All right, you have a body, 
Let's start taking care of that thing with wisdom, right? So that's where it starts. That same truth applies to the fact that when you get married, did you know? Same truth. You need to govern that marriage well. Same truths, same proverbs work that worked for your thought life, that worked for your appetites, that worked for your sexuality, now work for your marriage. It's weird, but they also work for your family. And this is extra strange. It also works for the church. This is even more strange. It works if you are put in charge of nations. If you were put over the entire world, the same proverbs would apply. At whatever gradient or level that of your assigned jurisdiction and responsibility, the proverbs perfectly match it. In other words, this is extremely useful in life, not just for where you're at today, but where you're at tomorrow and the next day and the next day that follows. So I'm going to give a very slimmed down, I just put my, my three uh, points on a diet and we trimmed them down, okay? We pruned them down so that they're very, very simple in how they're said. Number one, the Proverbs are the king's dictums. Now I just happen to like words and so dictums is a word that no one in the audience would ever know what that is, right? They're like, what in the world is that? But it's like, if you say dictate, okay? Dictate is like a command. Well, a dictum is the king's commands already given. So this is his dictums, okay? This is what he has. This is what he's already stated. This is past tense. It's already there and in the bag, okay? We don't need to come to the king and say, what do you want, king? He's always like, I already told you what I wanted, okay? You, you do know. You have been studying the Proverbs, right? You do know how I want you to rule, right? Instead of pleading ignorance, going, God, I have no idea what to do, he says, look, I have supplied you with everything you need for life and godliness. And if you're struggling with those Proverbs, he'll bring clarity to them. In other words, he's not going to go in a different direction and suddenly invent a new proverb that totally contradicts the old ones. He says, you know what? I don't like how I used to rule. I'd like to rule things different. And so let's invent some new ideas today. It's still the old school way that God rules. So the first one is the king's dictums. The second one is the king's pattern for training. And the third one is the king's empowerment. Do you know that if you had all three of those, you really have everything you need? In other words, the Proverbs are a full package. First of all, I'm going to give you a little hint here. They're not just text. It's the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. You see, we have been given something in the word of God, and when we receive it, we receive the entire package. We don't just get the commands and the text and the words, but we also get a pattern. We get a picture. We see it, and we're like, so that's what it looks like. Then we get the power to do it. You see, if we don't, if we just have the first two, we're left in our own power to fulfill this impossible role. I mean, Jesus Christ can be the king of kings. I, I can't. And yet he has called me to be a king and a priest. How in the world am I supposed to do this, God? I'm not fit for this. He says, you do it in me. Okay, the wise man is going to submit to that king and say, oh king, I need all that you bring to the table. And so he said, Eric, or you fit your name in there, I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. Are you the wise man who will receive it, who will apply it, who will inculcate it into your life and do it? So we're going to start out Proverbs, and we're going to start it out with a bang. So if you notice this, right in the very beginning of Proverbs, okay, <laughs> we're kicking it off with the very first words. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David. 
So I underline Proverbs just so you see it. The Mashal of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, and then it gives the purpose of the Proverbs. And now I put in Hebrew words here just to add a little mystery to what we're talking about because if you put in English words, we oftentimes glaze over and we don't understand what it says. And so I'm purposely sticking in Hebrew words so that I can unpack those for you and you could recognize it because I want you to lean in and go, what, are, what is the Proverbs for? I mean, he's, he says it right here. And so if you ever ask the question, why did he give us the Proverbs? Well, we have the answer right here in the very beginning of Proverbs. To know Chakma and Musar to bin emir benah. Okay, there you go. We could be done right now. I just gave you a life lesson right there. That is the answer. That's why God gave us the Proverbs. So the three primary agenda of the Proverbs, Hakma, Musar, and Bien, Emir, Binah. Okay, those are some rather complex, complicated words. You know, sometimes when you see the Greek, it sounds similar to the English. We're like, I think I know what it's talking about. This doesn't sound like anything we're familiar with. So as a result, we're just in the dark. So Hakma is typically going to translate as wisdom. Now, wisdom, there's a lot of different words in the Hebrew for wisdom. This is going to be the chief. So this is Papa wisdom. This is the global wisdom where you have a lot of small words that are going to translate into wisdom, sort of like love in the, in the Greek. There's a lot of different loves. This is, this is the agape of the love category. This is chakma. This is the chief among wisdom. This is the big dog. And so the Proverbs is going to set us up for this. So what is this? To rule well your life and that authority which is entrusted to you to protect and care well for that which is in your jurisdiction, to judge rightly, to protect that which is entrusted, to care for that which is yours, to bring heavenly decision in all matters of life, to know the righteous course, to know how a man ought to behave, ought to act, ought to speak, ought to live, and ought to serve. Boy, we need wisdom, don't we? Which is why in James it says, if any man lacks this, let him ask of God. God delights to give wisdom. He is he is inclined to give us everything we need so we know how to live rightly. We know how to handle each situation in life because we don't know how we ought to live. He does. So our job is to come to the one who has this. And what's funny is in the New Testament, I don't know if funny is the right word, what's amazing in the New Testament says that all wisdom is found in Christ Jesus. In other words, it is found. We have it in Christ. So what is wisdom? to rule your body and mind with excellence, to rule your marriage and family with sharpness and alacrity, to rule in church matters with divine prudence, to rule in matters of civil government with heavenly judgment, to have mental skill for war and to answer enemy attack with divine strategy, to courageously, boldly, and unabashedly make judgment in the most troubled times and in matters of the most difficult and perplexing nature. There is no situation that you should fear as a man or a woman of God if you know you have access to the wisdom of God. Every situation, God will supply wisdom. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. His entire nature backs it up. So therefore, whatever we need for the most troubling of circumstances, for the most difficult conundrums that we could ever face, our King of Kings has supplied the proverb. He has supplied us with everything we need to not just understand what we should do, but to actually be enabled to do it. Mm -hmm. This is good stuff. 
So remember, the Proverbs of Solomon are for chakma, which is wisdom, and musar, which is instruction. I'm not going to say much about musar. It's typically translated instruction, but this is like correction is another word for it. So in other words, if you're a shepherd and you have a narrow path that you're leading your sheep along, musar would be like the tap of the rod on the back that comforts the sheep and lets them know that they're walking in the right way. It is a correction. If you start to get off in your form of doing uh, air squats, it's a correction. And that's what musar is. And that's what the Proverbs are for. So the Proverbs are for the wisdom, but they're also for that correction or that instruction, the divinely authoritative correction of God. Now, here's a big word, bin emir binah. And I really like it. It's a fun word to say, too, bin emir binah. Doesn't it make you sound, at least make me look intelligent when I say a word like that in the Hebrew? Uh, now, this, it's, it's a very difficult word to define, though, because we typically will translate it as understanding. So, in other words, the Proverbs of Solomon are for wisdom, instruction, and understanding. However, this word is a hyperversion of what we would understand as understanding. It is to understand the words of understanding, which is a funny way of saying anything, to understand the words of understanding. You see, you can have understanding in something, but you need to, you need to really get it. Have you ever had it where it's like you understand how important it is that babies should not be aborted? And then one day, you have understanding of your understanding. You're like, they really shouldn't be aborted. Have you ever had that where you just awaken at a whole nother level to the reality of something? And that's what this word is. The Proverbs take you from just knowing something and even having a grip on it, like two plus two equals four. And then the next thing you're like, two, wait a minute, two plus two really does equal four. It's like, yeah, you, you just passed that on the test. You got that right in your test last week. I know, but it's like, I didn't really understand it until now. Now that's a terrible illustration, but it's like that. It's an awakening at a deeper level. And it's fascinating because the word understanding, you just break it down. It's that which is under your standing. What are you standing on? So we're supposed to be built upon a rock. And so what is under our standing? Well, it's rock. Do you trust that rock? I think so. You need to know so. And so understanding the understanding is knowing so. It's like, no, I have everything I need beneath me. I can trust the word of God. So it's it's that which is bolstering your strength and that which you're standing upon. You're more confident than you've ever been. You really do get it. The word of God cannot lie. It's not just that you're standing on the word of God and you know that that's important to do, but you're standing on something that cannot lie, cannot change. And so you understand your understanding. Okay, that, I'll go into it at least at one more level of detail. So what is understanding? To be able to reckon, to grasp, to fully receive, to truly gain that which is in the word. To not just know that you must stand upon something, but to actually stand upon it. To truly have the word, the rock, the king's maxim under your standing. So this is my feeble attempt at trying to give you an understanding of the understanding. Of like, what does that mean? To be freed by the words of freedom. Could you imagine if someone said to you, you're free but you don't fully get it, okay? So someone could say, what did they tell you? They said, I'm free. Well, why are you still functioning like a slave? You see, when you're freed by the words of freedom, you get it. You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me clarify. Are you saying that I actually am free, that I could leave this plantation right now and my slave master could not stop me? 
That's exactly what I'm saying. Whoa. Okay, that's a big deal. That's right, it's a big deal. So it's actually being freed by the words of freedom as opposed to hearing the words of freedom and then staying enslaved. Many of us as Christians hear the words of freedom and remain enslaved. It doesn't make any sense because we don't have being emitter benah. But the Proverbs, or I could say Jesus Christ, is intending to bring us wisdom, instruction, and being emitter benah. He wants us to be freed by the words of freedom. How about this one? To be saved by the words of salvation. You know how many people can repeat the words of salvation and not be saved by them? You can go up and find people on the streets of Fort Collins and they can repeat scripture to you better than you know. And yet they're living in absolute destitution. That doesn't make any sense. How could they have the words of salvation and not be saved by them? Well, they need being a mirror but not. They need Jesus. You see, this one dimension that causes something to come to life that is, it, it can't remain dead. It's like, a, a, it's like a, a lamp that is not plugged in. It's like, do you have a lamp? Yeah, I have a lamp. Well, does it give light? No. Well, what's the good of a lamp that doesn't give light? Plug it in. Turn it on. That's being emitter, but not. Turn the light on. What are you doing? To find peace in the declaration of peace. To receive love in the words of love. It's interesting, but many of us can hear that God loves us. We can even tell other people, God loves you. But to understand God's love for us is like a fantastic revelation. We know it, but do we know it? That's binamir bina, where we know that we know. We have understanding of our understanding. You know that God loves you, but do you understand your understanding? To actually grasp the good benefit when hearing the words of good news. To be empowered to actually live the life empowered. That's, that's one of my great passions. I mean, how many people could say, yes, I believe that there's victory in Jesus, and then they live pathetically without power to do it. And so it's like this funny tension that we run into as teachers of the gospel, because technically I can't give you understanding of your understanding. What I tend to be able to give is understanding, but only God can give understanding of the understanding. And so I'm very limited as a teacher. I'm not the Proverbs of God. The Proverbs of God are able to do something that is beyond what I can do as a human. It is God's word. It is God's power. It is God's life. And so when we stand with it, when we preach it, God's word has merit, strength, and power to do what we can't do as its deliverers. So... The three purposes of the Proverbs. Okay, now listen closely. This is, I've sort of been breaking down how the Proverbs work. But we have Hakma, Musar, and Binimir, Benah. But Hakma, if we could say it this way, to know the righteous course. This is the way you should walk. And in every situation in life, we oftentimes are in a fog bank. We're like, which way should I walk? You need Hakma. You need to know the righteous course. To know how a man ought to be in all of life's situations. And then Musar. You may know the way that you're supposed to go, but you lean a little to the right or a little to the left, and that's where Musar comes in, to be trained in the righteous course. So you know you're supposed to walk this way, but you have a tendency to lean towards a ditch on this side or a ditch on this side. Musar straightens you. He says, oh no, little sheep, stay to the middle. Let's stay in the narrow way. The ditch isn't where you want to be. So to be corrected when you are not as you ought to be in the midst of all life situations. And then being a mirror banah. 
to be empowered in the righteous course, to be enabled to become as a man ought to be in the midst of all life's situations. And this is a huge one. In other words, if all you have is knowledge of the righteous course and correction in it, it's still up to you. But what's amazing about what the life of Jesus Christ is bringing to us, the wisdom of God is bringing to us, is it also brings us the ability, the power to do it. So let's give a flashlight example. Okay, so this is just, we're going to be using our three, uh, Hakma, Musar, and Binamir Bina. Okay, and we have a, a, a flashlight. So the wisdom, you're in, you're in the dark and someone hands you the flashlight. So it's the Proverbs. They're giving you what you need for the dark, right? And so what's the wisdom? You need a flashlight to see in the dark. Thank you. Okay, that's, that's important because if you didn't know that, you're just like bumping into things and someone gives you this great piece of wisdom, you need a flashlight. That'll actually help you right now. However, the wisdom itself doesn't mean you have it all figured out. You're needing the full package, okay? And this is where instruction comes in because you grab a rock and you call it a flashlight. And you're like, how come this doesn't work? Well, that, that's not a flashlight. Uh, you see, the Musar is gonna correct you. You mean well, and you're heeding the wisdom to the best you know, but Musar needs to correct you in the process. That's actually not a flashlight. That's why you're not getting any light out of it. This is a flashlight. No, that's not how you hold a flashlight. This is how you hold. So the first time you're holding it back like this towards yourself. And you, you know, you're like, hey, this doesn't work. It's like, okay, let's turn that around. You see, wisdom is saying you need the flashlight. The instruction, the Musar is correcting you in how to use the flashlight. Your flashlight doesn't uh, have batteries. These are batteries. This is the positive end and this is the negative end of the battery. You put them in like this. Now screw back on the cap. Now, when you press on this button, it will turn on the flashlight and you'll be able to see. Okay, so without this instruction, we're, we're not doing well. Little did you know how much there is to a flashlight. Isn't that funny? You know, if, if, if you just had never heard of a flashlight, seen a flashlight, I mean, you could get this wrong real quick. If you've never seen batteries, I mean, I don't know how to put that in, right? I mean, you're going to get it all backwards and it just doesn't work. You're going to blame it on the flashlight. It's like, I just got to have a faulty flashlight. No, you need Musar. You need to be instructed in how God designed this thing. Okay, now the understanding you mean, this is you talking, you mean this will actually solve my problem with darkness? You're starting to get it. So after all this time, you're like, wait a minute. So you mean that if I hold it like this and get the batteries incorrect and then simply press this button, that, whoa, it works. You have understanding of your understanding. Suddenly you're seeing it. It's clear to you, and this is what the Proverbs of God do for us. They don't just leave us with, you need a flashlight, but they actually bring us through how to get that flashlight working. And then they show us that button, and they show us how to use our thumb to click on that button and to hold it just right, and then we get it. It's like, whoa, I can see. Someone else could say, yeah, those flashlights don't work. But wait a minute, no, no, I, I've actually experienced this. I have understanding of the understanding. And then we have wisdom, we have instruction to help them have been a mirror banah. You see, and that's how the church of Jesus Christ works. So getting the Proverbs out on the table, it's a common statement that I'm going to have when I'm in a conundrum, okay? That means a situation that doesn't have an obvious answer to it. And I don't know what your, you know, everyone out there's perception is of Christian ministry. 
if that Christian ministers are just brilliant people or they think we're all idiots. I, I'm, I'm sure there's a mixed bag out there. However, there's a very human quality to ministry, to leadership, that makes you feel very frail, very fragile, and very dumb at times. And what you need is wisdom. And so as a result, the phrase, let's get our Proverbs out on the table, is a first step that will oftentimes initiate the process of decision-making, okay? Instead of turning to our own wisdom, instead of turning to our own situation, we're not going to let the crisis lead, let's let God lead. What has he already said? All right, let's look at that. And that's what we mean. And one of my favorite things about being married to Leslie, it sounds like a funny statement, one of my favorite things, it is a great quality. And so it could be one of my favorite things, is when I say let's get our Proverbs out on the table, she starts whipping them out a mile a minute. She, she's listened to the Proverbs so many times. She listens to her audio Bible like all day long. And so Proverbs, she's gone through them so many times, so she just starts given Proverbs, so it really helps my job. You know, it's like, okay, there we go, let's get some more. You got some more there? And so it's a really nice feature, but it is tremendously impacting. I think for most of us, when we think about getting Proverbs out on the table, it sounds like some stale, you know, scripture references, like, what does that have to do with my modern-day situation? Oh, you'd be surprised. You see, they are good for right now, today. This is some good, good stuff. So, uh, what I'd like to do is let's do a practice run. I did this with someone the other day, and I was talking with them on the phone, and they're in a pretty difficult situation, which I have to admit, I didn't have that piece of wisdom that I, I love to have that good piece of wisdom. It's like, hey, here's what you should do. But a lot of times, God will give us as leaders a limp where all we can say is, well, I'll pray for you, and let's pray right now for that. And here's what I'm going to encourage. Let's, let's, all, let's both work on getting the Proverbs out on the table for this. And so that's what we did together. And so I took a certain section of the Proverbs. He took a certain section. It's like, let's go through with four specific questions and let God answer those questions in the Proverbs. It was actually a profound process. And I think it had a, like not just a big impact on his life, but like a, uh, an earthquake-sized impact on his life to recognize it's like, wow, I had no idea that the Proverbs were so useful. I mean, it was profound. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just take a little piece of that, because I just took it out of a document that was sitting on my desktop this morning, it was just because it was fresh. It's like, I'll just show you a little piece of that, okay? So the issue, a close friend is bringing accusation, speaking harshly, and questioning integrity. Okay, those are hard situations. I've been through this uh, multiple times in my life. And the question is, how should I respond? Uh, because at a certain point, you're just sort of like, should I just cut off relationship? Should I stop talking with this person? Should I just be humble and mousy and just let them say whatever they want? What should I do? It's a very challenging situation because there's moments in the process where you're feeling like, okay, you, you respond in your flesh and you get mad at them and you, you want to go to the, the bitterness resentment route. Then there's other times you're like, okay, God, I don't want to do that. But what is it? Is it silent as a lamb? Should I just let them speak this way to me? Should I not speak? Should I be, you know, just, you know, on the cross and bearing uh, this and silent the whole time? I don't know. What am I supposed to do? And that, so I said, well, uh, let's get some Proverbs out on the table for this. Now, this was just one subcategory in it, but it'll at least give you some concept. So I was dealing with Proverbs 15 through 21, okay? 
And so you're just going to see in that section ones that I lifted out as I was going through. It's like, oh, there's one that goes into this category. There's one that goes into this category. It's a very simple process. It takes time, but it is freshly profound every time you do it. It's amazing, but the same scripture that was used over here in this situation, suddenly it has new dimension when you're dealing with this situation. It's like, wow, I wouldn't have thought that scripture would work over here too, but I guess it makes sense that it would. It's not just one circumstance that this wisdom works in. It works in all circumstances. So, for instance, the first one, uh, and you're going to notice that these go down. I, for whatever reason, I went backwards through the Proverbs when I was going through it. So I, there's, there's nothing strategic about that that just happened to be what I was doing. Uh, I think I was planning on starting in uh, 21, and then I figured, okay, I'll spend a little more time, and I went to 20, and then I, I went backwards in my subsection. So whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. So there's a wisdom point. It's important to remember that how you encounter someone that you guard your mouth, your tongue in the process. So then in uh, 20 verse six, most men will proclaim each his own goodness. So this is a danger that Job stepped into when he was being accused by his friends and he defended himself and that's where he got in trouble because he actually didn't do what all his friends were saying, but what he got in trouble for was defending his own goodness. And so what we see in the Proverbs is most men will proclaim his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? So there seems to be this idea of a man who is guarded to not try and defend himself. So that's just another point of wisdom. The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Mercy and truth preserve the king, and by loving kindness, he upholds his throne. So mercy and truth need to be companions with you in this journey. And loving kindness is what upholds his throne. So loving kindness can't be thrown out in this. Blows that hurt cleanse away evil, as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. Sometimes it's important that we speak, speak straight. Even things that might, at first, feel like a blow to someone, they actually can work to cleanse away evil. At the same time, you could look at this in, in the, your direction. If someone is giving blows your way, it's like, thank you, Lord. I pray that you would purge me with this. In other words, the accusation may be inaccurate, but at the same time, it can still work to cleanse you. This is in uh, Proverbs 19.11. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. This is wisdom right here. In other words, hey, well, I want to be a man who is slow to anger then. I want to have discretion, not just with my words, but with my emotion. What is, what is desired in a man is kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. So, as a result, kindness needs to steer in this situation. The beginnings of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. Do not throw gasoline on the contention. In other words, how you handle this is, is with wisdom. A friend loves at all times. Is this all times? Yes. And this is a close friend, so you love in this situation. And a brother is born for adversity. Well, uh, just as Jesus fulfills that scripture, so you can walk in the spirit of Christ and also be born for adversity. He who has knowledge spares his words. So if you truly have knowledge in this situation, if you have the word of God, if you have an understanding of Christ, then you want to spare, be sparing in your words. And a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. 
Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. So as a result, instead of harsh words, pleasant words. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Now, what's amazing in a situation like this, when you get the Proverbs out on the table, because some of you could look at that list and go, that didn't help me at all. Well, it's also possible that you're not in the exact same situation. So the, the application of it to your soul is not as clear because it's general truth. It's what we call logos. Logos, in the English we'd say logos, but the word of God is the logos. It is the general revelation of Scripture. God then, by his spirit, when we get the Proverbs out on the table, will apply that to our individual life, which is one definition you could have of wisdom. In other words, he's taking the wisdom and he's making it your wisdom. But he gives you very specific understanding of that scripture in your life, and we could call that rhema. It's still the word of God, but it's a word of God that is taking the general word of revelation that is the same for all of us and making it specific to your situation. And that is what we expect in every situation. We need to know how to live this, not just memorize it and hear it. We need to have understanding under our understanding. So you could know that you need to have a calm spirit. You could know that you need to be sparing in your words. You could know that you need to be loving, uh, have a loving kindness. So God, what does that look like in this situation? All right, he'll answer that. He'll give you bin mir benah. If you allow him, he will apply the truth. When you seek it, when you mine it, when you dig into it, you say, God, I see it. And I can't tell you how many times I have gone through this same process and I know what to do. And you can say, how did you know what to do out of that? I don't know. Don't you see it too? Uh Uh-uh. Because you're looking at a general revelation. You're not seeing the specific revelation that I'm getting because I'm coming to his wisdom. And I'm saying, God, teach me in this situation how I should handle this circumstance. But unless you're in the circumstance, well, you could, it makes sense why you wouldn't get the rhema for this situation because you don't need it. So you have the general, and you can nod along and go, that's beautiful, beautiful. Praise God for his logos. And you should. It's a wonderful revelation. It's true. You just learned something about hand, how to handle a contentious situation. However, you're going to need that in the future. There will be situations where you will run into a contentious situation where a friend and you are at odds. How are you going to handle that as Christ would handle it? You need to know how to get your Proverbs out on the table. Because even though you've been very attentive this morning, you've listened well, you're not going to remember every single thing that was just said. And so as a result, we need to freshly unpack what we've been given. What has God stowed away in your suitcase? What has he given you for this journey? Whenever you're in that situation where you need that extra measure of wisdom, you go to what he has already given and you unpack it. And then you hold it up to him and say, God, I see this. I need something specific out of this. I know this is what I'm supposed to do, so how do I do it in this situation? You see, as Oswald Chambers says, Christianity is half mysterious, half mechanical. If you make it all mysterious, it's like, oh, the Spirit of God will lead me and I don't need the Word of God in text. I don't need that. He'll just lead me. You're going to become a weird person and you're going to make really bizarre decisions. 
because you have nothing to test it against. So another voice other than the Spirit of God could speak to you, and you're like, oh, and I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it, and you could go and do some really wild, wacko things. When in actuality, it's half mechanical, half mysterious. There's a dimension of obedience to do what we already know to do. And so I get up every morning, and I brush my teeth. And you could say, how unspiritual. Why don't you pray that God brushes them for you? And, you know, that sounds very spiritual, but there's a dimension of life which takes on responsibility to do what I already know to do. And then I have a leaning and a dependence for that extra measure of life that I can't meet. The demands of life that are beyond me that I say, God, I'll brush my teeth, but I need you to brush my soul. I can't clean certain aspects of my life. I need God to intervene to actually do that. And that's this tension that we even face in the Proverbs. Because you have the Proverbs, use them, unpack them. But now you're going to need specific application of those Proverbs. This ancient word, this ancient text becomes present tense, beautiful and profound in your current situation. Where when you go into that situation, you have confidence. And as you're talking with that person, you have a very clear sense of precisely how you're supposed to do it. How did you get that? Well, you use the word of God the way God intended you to use it. It's not just the Proverbs, by the way. If some of you are going to trip over that, it's not just that we get the Proverbs out of the table. Here's what I say in our marriage, and here's what I say in our leadership. Let's get the Proverbs out of the table, all right? Now let's get the rest of the Bible out of the table. But we start with the clear wisdom. And oftentimes, you can know even what to do just right there, but there's a complementary wisdom throughout the entire text of Scripture. And so we utilize the scripture, this is part of our suitcase. What do we have? We have been given something already. Let's make sure that we unpack it and utilize it. Father, thank you for your word. It is so wonderful, so beautiful, so precious, so true. Lord, I pray that we would freshly tremble before it today. We would freshly esteem it and reverence it. And that we would bend our knee before it, acknowledging it as it is in truth, the word of God. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom, supply us with musara, and supply us also with bin emir benal, that we would have understanding of our understanding. We love you and submit to you today with great expectation. Amen. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellerslie campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.